As you watch the screen, your heart begins to beat faster. There's a fluttering in the pit of your stomach. Your throat is dry. Your palms damp. Suddenly a chill runs down your spine. You clutch the person next to you. You tell yourself, it's only a movie. It's only a movie. But sooner or later, it's time to go home. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Ron. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of Freddy vs. Jason, starring Robert England, Ken Kersinger, Monica Kina, and Jason Ritter. Directed by Ronnie Yu, released in 2003 in a budget of $34 million, grossed 114.9 at the box office. So we're back, guys. We've done the entirety of the Friday the 13th films, including the remake, and the Nightmare on Elm Street films, including the remake. Circle back around here for another team up. Uh, we started this October with The Last House on the Left, regrettably. And now we're back to end it, hopefully not regrettably, with Freddy versus Jason. And man, this thing took forever to get together. But I, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I do distinctly remember this coming out in 2003 in theaters and going to see it. So do either of you remember when this came out? I watched it for the first time last night. All right. Uh, I remember when it came out, and I actually think I did go see it at the movie theater. But the thing I primarily remember is that this was the last movie where I remember people going out and buying like a movie soundtrack. <laughs> the new metal soundtrack that is Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, riding around in my friend's uh, Buick. <laughs> of course. So, we're going to talk about the soundtrack for sure. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I remember the, the talk of this on the internet, of course, for years and years and years, really ever since Jason goes to hell. Cause there was that teaser at the end, you know, and then we waited 15 years for it to ever do anything. And I mean, I read somewhere where they spent something like $6 million on 18 scripts and they finally got to something they thought they could film. And then they put it in turnaround again and they finally put this together. You know, in the meanwhile, you had Jason Goes to Hell come out. Sean Cunningham got so frustrated with how long this was taking that he put out Jason X so that people wouldn't forget about Jason. And I'm like, well, that was a bad idea because I think, <laughs> I think we all wanted to after that. But uh I mean, good. It had been a long time. Uh, when when I saw this in theaters, it had been quite some time since I had purposely seen either of the franchises. Now, I'd seen Jason X, but I didn't remember anything about it. I hadn't gone back to like the central canon of the stories, if you will, for a long time. So I went into it, I remember, just cold with some friends in the small town I was living in. And I had a blast with it. I thought, okay, this is cool. And then I remember buying the DVD and I think I've watched it maybe once or twice since it, I see it on, you know, every Halloween season and stuff like that. And sometimes at random times and I'll watch a few minutes of it or whatever. But until we did this review, it had been a long time since I sat down to watch this from start to finish. And I really 
only remembered about half of it. I, it came to me as I was uh, watching this. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those movies that since I have every movie channel, it's always playing somewhere, <laughs> and and I never feel like I need to bother to stop and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those things that I think once you've seen it, it's kind of I mean there it is. It's not a lot to go back and figure out about it. Is there? It's not a big mystery. So. Um, you know, we've done this kind of thing before on film strip, not you guys, but Nick and I dipped our toes in this back with the alien retrospective. We went ahead and did the alien versus predator to, you know, piece there. And, uh, to varying degrees, those films work and fail, you know? And so I, you know, I've always seen this as people try to do this. They're trying to recapture, the old universal monster mashups, right? Like Frankenstein versus Dracula and the Wolfman versus the mummy and all that stuff. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take these two icons and throw them together. And on the heels of this came all these rumors about what was going to be next. You had Ash from evil dead was going to take on Freddie and Jason. And then you had the weirdest one was you had Michael Myers and pinhead from Hellraiser, and it was going to be called Halloween. And I thought, what a terrible idea. Thank goodness they never got that off the ground. You know, and I mean, they've done these kind of things forever. And the Godzilla movies are, you know, notorious for this. Even the newest one was pretty much a Godzilla versus two random monsters you don't care about, you know, and here's Brian Cranston for four minutes. So they, the studios do this all the time to try to put both these franchises together. And I could see the difficulty in trying to get these two in the same room, you know, like that they have very different MOs. I mean, for, for folks that maybe have just been following one series or the other, I'm going to put it to both of you. If you had to sum up the Jason MO or the Freddy MO in like one sentence, what would it be? Brian, we'll go to you first. The, the nightmare on Elm street, Freddy MO is what? Good question. It used to be scary demon monster. Now it became uh, comedic horror. Uh, I mean, that's all he does is make jokes, right? And kill people. He's out to re- avenge his murder by killing the children of the people who killed him. Right. So he's like a vengeance demon. He's the id of every struggling stand-up comedian. <laughs> wow. That's go go have fun in there. So, okay, Ron, then on the other hand, what's the Jason? Well, the Jason MO is, is uh, pretty simple. Um he likes to murder teenagers who hang out by a crystal lake. Uh, and if they're topless or smoking pot or topless and smoking pot <laughs> or uh, neglecting children, so much the better. Uh, he's He's gone from uh, baghead to hockey mask to uh, melted by radioactive waste, but throughout... Every movie, his MO is basically to chop everyone up. Yeah, with a, with usually large carving instruments. I mean, that's that's the thing. So I, if you're going to put horror icons together, I should say, I could see why you'd want to go with these two because they have the one thing in common, the feeling or sense of that from their point of view, they're trying to avenge something that happened to them. Jason drowned, and then his mother killed all these people, and then she got decapitated. So he's always like chasing either the people that killed her or the people at the camp who shouldn't be there because they neglect children like him. Freddie was a child molester and murderer who got off on a technicality, who got vigilante to death. And so he's 
wanting revenge for that. Now, whether that's justified or not, you know, whatever. But that's what they share in common, is that they both have that. The difference, of course, is that Freddy has the mouth to go with it. And as you alluded to, Brian, and, and Ron, you capped up there, he became this stand-up comedian. You know, we, we tried to make Freddy funny and things. And I think the the interesting thing for me about this is trying to figure out where they want to want us as fans of these series to pick up in this movie. You know, what are we continuing from? I think it's pretty easy. We're continuing from the end of Freddy's dead with Freddy because he's blown up and he's sent to hell. And that's where he is at the beginning of this. And he's, his powers are completely drained. I'm not sure what version of Jason we're picking up on. It's somewhere between part six and eight, I think. But he's not in the bottom of a lake. I, I don't. I don't know if it's the Jason from Part Nine because that seems. I don't know. It didn't, didn't look right. I mean, they replaced Kane Hodder. I. What Jason are we supposed to be picking up on here, Ron? Oh, uh, this is uh, this is more uh, Freddy versus Roy. <laughs> We're picking up on Dead Roy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Roy, Roy looked like a child molester, so maybe. <laughs> he and Freddie had something in common while they were roasting in hell. Well, he definitely was a, a child uh, a neglector, so, as we learned in part five. But Oh, man. Well, I guess we should get into it, guys, and uh, go forward. So which one of you wants the plot summary? I'll take the credit. Freddy Krueger's power has diminished since he was last vanquished, and the town of Springwood is no longer afraid of him. Freddie enlists the help of Jason Voorhees, whom he resurrects from hell, to start a new killing spree in the town, hoping to heighten their fears and feed Freddy with the power he will need to once again terrorize them in dreams. But Jason won't stop killing Freddy's intended victims, and this doesn't sit well with the dream demon. Along the way, a group of plucky kids get caught in the middle of these two, and they're all picked off until only Lori and Will are left to see the final showdown. Jason and Freddy engage in violent combat, and just when it looks like Freddy has the upper hand, literally, Jason impales him with Freddy's own severed arm, and Lori decapitates Freddy with both killers sinking to the bottom of Crystal Lake as she and Will escape the decimated campsite. We see Jason emerge, holding Freddy's severed head, but Freddy winks at the audience in a final shot as credits roll. Well, that's a good summary there, Ron, to walk us through a film that comes out of the gate like a shot and waste no time getting right to it. I will credit this movie for one thing. They didn't waste any time setting it up. Uh, the, the first thing that I wrote down was that I love the little musical cue, the mix of the themes in the opening there. The little Nightmare on Elm Street piano thing with the thing from Friday the 13th. I thought, well, that, that needed to happen. That was well done. And so that was a that was a good start for me. And we get Freddy's opening montage and it's pretty much like a greatest hits of Freddy Krueger, right? Like I've argued for years that this is a nightmare on Elm street film with Jason in it. Uh, but I want to get YouTube's point of view on that. How do you feel about it? What, what's the, uh, the setting for this film? Are we in a Freddy movie with Jason in it? Or are we in a Jason movie that has Freddy looming over it? Personally, I think we're in a Freddy movie with Jason in it because Freddy's kind of the one pulling all the strings. Yeah, I think we're definitely in a in a Freddy movie with Jason in it. If if only because uh, they have the rights to all of the footage from all of the Freddy movies, so we get 
number one, we get the Freddy voiceover. Number two, we get the greatest hits montage. Number three, we get actual Robert England playing Freddy Krueger again. Uh, say what you want to about the relative merits of the giant Canadian stuntman that they've got to play Jason. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure Ken Kurzinger is a great guy, but he's no Kane Hodder. You can't, like, you're having the original Freddy, Robert England, reprise his role, and then you're throwing an afterthought to this new guy, which I get that lots of people have worn the Roy mask, but uh, Kane Otter is still, still, I think, in the the eyes of most of the uh, Friday the 13th fans, Kane Otter is still the definitive Jason. He's definitely the most characterized of the Jasons. Like he gave those latter films, which let's face it, none of the scripts in those are really any good. He at least gave the performance something that you wanted. You wanted to see what he would do with it. the physicality of it, the humor that he could bring to it without speaking, of course, and, and all that. And he, he had a physical presence too. I don't know all the stuff they say. They wanted somebody taller than Robert England. I'm like, he's taller than Robert England. <laughs> like if you've ever seen him together, <laughs> plus he's huge, but you're right. I think you're both dead on is that this is, this is a Nightmare on Elm Street part eight. If you really want to call it, it just happens to have Jason moonlighting in it. And it is a Jason. It could be Roy's <laughs> for all we know. Maybe, maybe uh Freddie took a wrong turn at Albuquerque in hell and resurrected Roy instead. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that, that explains a few things, but no, the opening montage, you're right, is all about, uh, Freddy, because even though they own the rights to Friday the 13th and all that, all the footage stuff would cost them extra money, and New Line sure enough wasn't going to pay Paramount anything else. It wasn't like the last two Friday the 13th movies made a lot of money or anything, so they had uh, they had some things to come back on, so uh, that's that's for sure. So Now, it just dawned on me here for a minute, Brian, you probably got to be sitting over there going, who's Roy? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Ron, what, you, you want to give me the 30-second primer on that? Because, uh, Brian, you've never seen any Friday the 13th films, right? No, I have not. Well, there is a Friday the 13th movie, part five. There's a guy wearing a hockey mask and overalls who kills people, but it's not Jason. It's a vengeful paramedic named Roy who is murdering up a halfway house slash mental health facility slash I don't know a cabin on Crystal Lake where one of the deranged teenagers murders his apparent son uh, yeah and anyway that's that's so all the references to Roy <laughs> would you call him a copycat of Jason Voorhees pretty <laughs> much yeah and the thing is is that there's a kid at that facility who killed Jason Voorhees in the previous installment. And so I guess, well, it's never terribly, truly established, but you get the sense that Roy's using that as his way to uh, do the killing and have an alibi. It's really bad. I wouldn't recommend you watch it. Listen to our podcast. You learn All right. So, but anyway, that's, uh, that's the story on Roy and you'd get into it. Let's, let's talk about this film though. The way they started is we do get, 
Freddy finding Jason, this whole idea of like, look, they made the kids forget me. And there's, you know, being killed is one thing, but being forgotten is a bitch, you know? And I'm like, well, Freddy just said everything every 80s hair metal band feels. And that's why they're still out there. <laughs> so, and so he's like, I'll find somebody to make him remember Jason. And my, I wrote this note down because my wife made a great point. She said, why does Jason's hell involve naked women skinny dipping that he can kill? Wouldn't it be like him treading water or something mm, mm. if it was really hell? It's almost like Jason's getting to do what he loves to do in hell. But my my uh, second note after talking about how cool it was to have a Freddy backstory, still too short, was, oh, gratuitous nudity right off the bat. Yep, that's the, uh, the Friday the 13th influence on the film. Oh, big time. Yeah, because that's the one thing. The Nightmare films were really scarce with the nudity. Like, it was mm-hmm. barely spliced in in there, you know. It was all about atmospheric weirdness and stuff. And I, I guess if there's any Friday the 13th influence, you're right. It is the gratuitous sex uh, in this film. And also possibly the cornfield rave uh, yeah, later on. Yeah, we're going to talk about oh. that cornfield rave. Uh, just, yeah. <laughs> just hold that thought for a minute. But uh, I like how Freddie uses the reverse psychology of uh, Friday Part 2 to get the uh, somewhat doesn't look like Betsy Palmer, Mrs. Voorhees, um, to resurrect Jason. But I did say, well, you know, not even the dumbest way I've seen Jason resurrected, so I can't really complain about it. But it did give me the <laughs> note of, what, Jason, is this? I don't know, because he's, you know, they're pulling him up out of the ground there, so he digs out of a grave and and then begins the, what I best I can figure out is at least a 500-mile walk from from Crystal Lake to Springwood. He's, he's fast. <laughs> my note was, well, at least he, he knows which Elm Street to go to. I wouldn't want him showing up in my hometown. Yeah, I know. We've, we flashed to Elm Street and meet our three girls in uh, resident douchebags um, with the nice new metal soundtrack in the background. <laughs> and all I could think of, I was like, man, Elm Street looks a lot like Haddonfield for like a few seconds there. Like it, I've, <laughs> I, I mean, they make a point to go, it's 1428 Elm Street. Like they do the whole thing. It's the house or the external of that house again or whatever. But I was like, well, that kind of feels Halloween-y. And then they have a girl named Lori as the main girl. And we open up with a girl asking for Michael. Yeah, right? Or Mike, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're going to bring all of the horror movies in here. Yeah, but that's so strange. Why not? I'm like, why? well, no, why would you? I mean, Friday the 13th was built as a complete ripoff of Halloween. Initially, I mean, that's all it was supposed to be. It was just Halloween in the woods. Nightmare on Elm Street has never tried to do Halloween stuff. Like, it, if anything, it started chasing Hellraiser about halfway through, but it was its own thing. I don't know. Well, maybe they just I mean, wanted they, to tip the hat. Yeah, and that's definitely more of a, a Friday the 13th uh, kind of reference, too, I think. It's like they're, they've decided, well, we've got the rights to this, so let's you may as well pay lip service to it. Plus, maybe, you know, uh, Mustafa Akkad will need money and we'll be able to make that uh, Freddy versus Jason versus Michael Myers movie that nobody wants. <laughs> yeah, well, boy, you talk about the sequel no one would want. Wow. Um, Actually, I'd always heard it was going to be Michael Myers versus the Leprechaun because of the shared oh, yeah. Celtic mythology. <laughs> That now, would watch that. The Curse of Thorn <laughs> versus the Three Sneezes and You're Married to Me. I'm dead. Only, oh, yes. only if it's in Ice T's hood, though. Because, <laughs> because Busta Roms could come back. Maybe even LL, right? We have the whole game. So. 
I would just but I'm down. Only, only if LL somehow gets eaten by a shark. <laughs> <clears throat> this time. So, like he was supposed to <laughs> that time. But anyway, so a little deep blue sea. We're the one making references now. I, I do love that. They, we, I mean, these teenagers, I guess they're supposed to be teenagers. They all look 25 um, or older. Uh, yeah. um, I, I don't, I, I'm supposed to know who Catherine Isabel is in horror ranks. She's in something called Ginger Snaps. Is that something you're familiar with, Ron or Brian? Have you? Have you ever? You've never seen Ginger Snaps. I have. I have never seen Ginger Snaps. Is that something I should see? Yes, Jay. That is something you should see. <laughs> Ginger Snaps, and also I would go ahead and see Ginger Snaps too, but don't see the third one. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a bit of a completist, so if there's a third one, I'm sure I'll find it. But okay. Well, that's what I'm told she's famous for, and uh, it's, it's she's besides- famous for it. And she's actually really good in that movie, unlike. Uh, this movie I've seen her on TV stuff that I thought she was good in and I didn't recognize her as oh the smoky ho girl from the first five minutes of Freddy vs. Jason <laughs> all, she, all, she, all she does is all I do is smoke when I drink but you drink all the time well I'm working on it <laughs> and like the first thing she does is like oh let me go get more drinks more smokes hey they're menthols and let's go upstairs and screw and then let me get in the shower you know I mean that's her whole thing. So we've had gratuitous everything in the first seven minutes of this film. Yeah, yeah even a gratuitous body double. Yes, yes. And I'll tell you, though, first kill, though, man, Jason just overkills the D-bag boyfriend, Trey. I mean, stabs him through that bed, like, I don't know, a dozen times, then folds him in half. I was like, well, that's a Jason kill, all right? I mean, Brian, not knowing the Jason kills, that's a that's straight-up Jason M.O. from, like, the Kane Hodder Jason, though, not the original Jason. The original Jason would just cut your throat and then move on, but uh, Kane Hodder would annihilate you. Maybe that's the uh, maybe that's our Jason greatest hits moment because yeah. we get a famous impaling through a bed, uh, a la Kevin Bacon, and then we also get a guy broken in half. Yep, that was awesome. We get a double impalation. Later. You never wanted someone murdered and bent in half more than that guy. Oh yeah, that dude deserved it. Right, I mean, yeah, and so that's when you you got to know going in like right now, you're supposed to root for Jason in this movie because Freddy is still a bad Jason. guy. You Betty, Freddy's still the total bad guy. They set up Jason as the I, kind of the Charles Bronson anti-hero here. What? I mean, all he needed no. was to murder some hipsters on a subway, and it would have been all. Oh, no, you didn't see that. You don't get that. No. His first kill is the worst guy in the group. And he yeah, like, but overkills he, him. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think you're stretched. They, they, they really hammer the point home later in the movie when we get the inside of Jason's head sequence where he's just the little half naked Corey Feldman looking kid. <laughs> God, um, I mean, or is the Jason Corey from Part 8, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's in these getting, two. So. <laughs> Getting uh, tortured by uh, Freddy. Right. He gets stabbed with the knife and the brain and all that crap. Yeah. If you, yeah. Don't, if you don't have any sympathy for Jason after that, I mean, there's no, you know, you've got no rooting interest in this movie. Well, I'll tell you now, you can't have any sympathy for the human characters here because they're awful. 
I mean, look, the the acting in the Nightmare films is nothing to, you know, write the Academy about by any means. But at on par, it's better than most Friday films, all right? But <laughs> but I want to say that some of the Friday films bury this cast. And there are people in this cast I like. I like Monica Kina. I like Jason Ritter. But they are terrible at this. I mean, they, and it's probably because they didn't really have a whole lot to work with. And frankly, no one on set cared about them. Like, it was like, yeah, just stand over there and look half naked. And, you know, that's in screen. That's all you need to do. And you look wounded because you are, you know, and that's that's kind of it. I mean, it's, it's all about Jason and Freddy, right? But that's well, a, when, that's a problem because if you're like Brian and you don't lock into the I'm supposed to root for Jason thing, I don't know how the hell you watch the rest of this because it gets really boring. I mean, you're not rooting for, for Lori. You're not rooting for Will. You're definitely not rooting for the movie's third lead, which weirdly is the third lead of Destiny's Child, Kelly Rowland. I, uh, yeah, who really likes to curse a lot, apparently. That must have been in her contract. So, I was rooting for Linderman. <laughs> the nerd... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but you well, know, he, he wasn't even. Your I standard. wanted him to score. No, look, he already had. He said, even if you pay for it, it counts. Like, he's not your standard I, nerd. I don't care. I wanted him and uh, Kia to get it on. You wanted him and Destiny's other child to get it on us. So yeah. It well, they almost, the tension was good. They almost did. Yeah, there, there was definitely some heat there. Yeah. Yeah, until he bled out. I lo- I, I did like good. how he served her at the. Uh, <laughs> oh, the that, was good, yeah. that was my, good. Yeah. My wife was like, ooh. <laughs> burn so, yeah he did get the sick burn in uh which is funny because then jason gets on fire and murders everyone but uh no yeah there's nobody to root for like that's a main character though i mean that's it's hard to do i, I do think this is all set up for this I, I get a kick out of the cops though that they're like trying to keep that freddy talk under wraps so like no don't be saying nothing about that and what will reveal i mean what they learn is that not only did the last time we visited Springwood, Brian, like all the parents were out of their minds and like holding Ferris wheels for kids that weren't there. And Roseanne and Tom had moved in and it was weird. Right. Yeah, yeah. And now like more families have moved in. They cleaned up the town and they just decided we're just going to drug the hell out of these kids. Like they put it in the water supply so that they'll forget with Hypnosil, the great the return you, of Hypnosil. Yeah. You texted me Hypnosil. Yes. And so I was like, I knew you would find that. And then, they they do that, and the ones that have had contact with Freddy, they just ship them off to Weston Hills, which somehow is still in operation after all of the people that have died there and all the administrators that have been mysteriously murdered. They've still got that huh. place running. So, well, yeah, because they just fire everyone who goes against what they say. I guess so, man. But yeah, they've got they've got everybody locked up basically, just trying to keep it down. And they're all the degenerates that nobody cares about. Well, that's the truth. Like, they won't let them talk to their friends. They've got uh, – what's the guy's name, Will's friend, um, that he breaks out with? Mark. Yeah, the, that guy um, who uh, was in Leprechaun Origins, by the way, um, Brian, and, and many other things along the way through the years. Uh, but he's in there because his brother killed himself and left his younger brother the shagging wagon van that he's got later or whatever, the Scooby-Mobile they call it. And all, all of that is going down. All that exposition happens as we're seeing Jason wreak havoc on everybody. Because a day after Trey is killed, and do we want to talk about his friend, Blake? Like, his friend gets, you know, beat out by his dad, <laughs> right? Like, it just totally cusses him out, has a nightmare, and then wakes up on the uh, 
porch with the dad's head severed and then he gets killed by Jason. That was pretty intense. Well, that guy, too. I mean, the whole first scene where they're in there trying to uh, uh, Kia's trying to hook up uh, Lori with that guy. You just it's like this guy's a complete idiot and a drunk. And so it was like, eh, let's get get him done with soon. And thankfully they did. Yeah, uh, being a complete idiot and a drunk, he was definitely more of uh, Gibbs' speed. Uh, if only her boyfriend had been broken in half earlier. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think he was trying. I think that's what he was trying to stay alive for. It's like, I'm going to get vengeance for you, Trey. And then like the unsaid sentence was, and then I'm going to bang your girl. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really think that's what he was angling for had he survived the next you know, 12 minutes. Uh, but he didn't. And uh, I do love that a day later, though, they all go to a rave in the cornfield. Can we just talk about the rave in the cornfield? Cause... After saying they didn't want to go. Right. Like everybody think... at, at one time or another says, I'm not going. I'm not going to the party. And then I'm going to the party. <laughs> and yeah, not, only, to the party. not only going to the party, when we meet up with Lori and Kia, they're both already drunk. I mean, like they these are not your standard good girls in a horror film at all. Well, no, they they established right away that they like to drink, right at the first party. Get some yeah, beers, we're get we're some pretty beer. much introduced to them drinking. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like they are they are not again they're not your standard issue final girls, which again leads to my theory they're not supposed to be. Nobody cares. You're not supposed to care about these people at all. You're supposed to only care about which one of these main villains you want to try to get behind in the coming. WWE cage match that's going to be the third act of this film, and so. But if, but if you're not supposed to care about any of these characters, why let the two main ones live to the end? I think you got to have two humans do something to. Yeah, but they be a part focus a lot on that whole story, that whole backstory about her relationship with Will and everything else. I mean, they, they focus a lot on that. I think Kia sums that up well. You're you're both fourteen. <laughs> Just well, uh, yeah, but yeah. they come back to the fact that he was shipped off by, you know, Lori's father to the psych ward, and mm-hmm. he was trying to communicate with her and this and that, and of course he shows up and she's all excited again because there's there's the guy she's been waiting for for four fucking years. Yeah, so here's and, there's the story though is that he he says he saw her dad, who's a doctor, uh, killing her mother. But later, right. she gets some sort of dream flash where Freddy was killing her mother. And my question to both of you is, like, which one is real? Did the dad kill the mom and then send the kid away like a good Lifetime movie would be? Or was it really Freddy? I would say it's Freddy. And, and I think if you uh, watch the whole scene there, it, it, the dad's not actually stabbing her or anything like that. All he saw was blood coming out of the mom and the dad struggling, right? So the dad's probably struggling to get Freddy off. I'm guessing he can see Freddy as well. I'm going to say the dad killed the mom and that Will is actually crazy because that way the fact that he waited around for this girl for four years and didn't let it go right about this girl that he met like at summer camp when he was 14 well, makes a little more sense to me. No, I mean the the, the reason that he cares still for after four years is because he believes – that she's in trouble because her dad murdered her mom, right? So he's worried that she's going to get killed by her dad. And I think that it only fits the narrative if uh, the doctor dad knows about Freddy in the first place and he's trying to help the wife. Freddy kills them. The kid sees the murder happen, so he blames the dad, and the dad then puts him away because he 
is dreaming about Freddy as well, or I don't know. I said, no, I, I think you're onto something there, Brian. I, re- I really do because that would make sense as to why he's the doctor that's behind the whole "let's give the whole town hypnosis." Like, like the the good conspiracy theory about chlorine in your water and chemtrails and stuff. Well, he just makes all that happen in spring. Right. Then I I kind of see what you're saying there. That makes sense. I don't think we should work too hard to try to make sense <laughs> of the no, parts of this movie that aren't. Uh, a, a French fried monster fighting a giant zombie Roy. No, you're, you're right. You're right. Because the, the next thing that happens is the kills that go down. We, we see Freddy try to kill Blake and he doesn't have enough strength yet, but he's getting close to it. So he, he goes after Gib, who we find out basically passes out drunk at the cornfield party and mm-hmm. appears as her boyfriend. And I did think this was great. This guy is, I mean, he was a lifetime monster waiting to be anyway. Cause he's like, I haven't been dead in day and you're already shit things. You know? And then he's he, like, yeah, he was, go meet me in the silo. Don't make me tell you again. I'm like, well, he is an abusive. So he was going full Fred Savage there. <laughs> oh, yes, he was. So, uh, wow. If only James Franco could have made an appearance, we'd have had the full, you know, trifecta of lifetime badness, but no, she follows it through. And we, we do get another, another, uh, classic Jason kill here, though, in a very awkward and weird way. You have the guy with all the glow sticks hanging off of him decides he's going to try to screw the passed out girl asshole. Of course. And that's what he gets, what he deserves. Cause once again, Jason does the thing that we want him to do, kill those motherfuckers. And he stabs both of them. And that's and I love Lori and Key are like no give okay and they just move on like they like it's one scene to the next literally they're not even upset about it anymore. So, well, it's well, okay. They, they're running they, for their lives. So well, they know Gib is a werewolf and she's going to come back because it wasn't like a, a silver bladed. <laughs> Machete. You know, we're establishing <laughs> something here, and I will say this now: I've I've seen maybe one werewolf movie in my life more than once, and that's Corey Haim's Silver Bullet. And so I'm. I'm I've seen Teen Wolf. I'm well, okay. Wow. Yeah, I saw that one too. So I, I've actually seen Teen Wolf <laughs> too. So I, yeah, okay. If you want to call those, let me back up. I haven't They're seen werewolf horror movies that much, so I'm not up oh. on my my werewolfness. Uh, I did watch a couple of seasons of Teen Wolf when it came back on MTV, though. So, uh, but you know, I'm lacking in the Ginger Snaps world as we've established. So, but I love Jason's kills here. At, I shouldn't say that, but they are fun because you get the two rave dudes that are getting their ass kicked by Everclear, right? And then. They light Jason on fire because that's just what you do to random person that shows up and turns your friend's head around. Um, that was a an abrupt, her motherfucker. Yeah, that was that was an <laughs> abrupt kill though because literally my wife sitting next to me we were watching this and that the head turns and she was like whoa what what like she didn't see that coming and I was like well that was that's a classic Jason to turn somebody's head off so uh, I kind of <laughs> liked it I liked the uh, flaming machete. Through the fat dude and uh, yeah, that was all, good. all the rando kills. And uh, it's finally beer that puts the fire out on Jason. It, <laughs> so, it's, yeah. it's funny because that fat guy has like a, had a really good uh, career, like a movie career, because he was in um, Watchmen. I wondered who that was. He, I thought he was the lead singer from Coheed and Cambria for a minute. I think he's too fat for that. <laughs> well, the four people that got that joke appreciated it. But I mean, no, I mean, I, I started, I was trying to keep up with the numbers of kills. I'm like number seven through, I don't know, 34. <laughs> at the rave. I think Jason kills everybody at the rave, but our, 
you know, friends here. Yeah, doesn't he just wander around uh, uh, murdering people at the rave? Pretty much. I mean, oh yeah, he 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 slaughters a whole bunch of them, just randomly going back and forth, killing them as he's walking. Can, can you imagine the news in Springwood? It's like mysterious deaths overtake an entire town of youth again well, in Springwood. They got to find the cornfield first. <laughs> well, that's okay. The the children of the corn will take care of those bodies. <laughs> And make sure that he who walks behind the rose gets his appropriate blood sacrifice. Uh, Malachi, who is this dead zombie walking through my field? Anyway, <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, I wanted to ask you a question. Who's Linderman's Jay and Silent Bob friend? Um, the, the, I was really, I was really thinking that they should have gotten Jason May, uh, Muse. Uh, yeah, why Muse to play that? Yeah. yeah, maybe they tried and they couldn't. Do you know anything about that, Ron? I do not, but uh, oh, I'm sure he was in a drug stupor at that point. At, yeah, and it would have not the, hurt the performance. Well, I no, but he was the, in a bad place. <laughs> I think it he probably was, wouldn't have shown. This was at the point where, yeah, this was at the point where he was like uh, in and out of rehab to either kick drugs or die. Oh, gotcha. Okay, well, good for him. Yeah, he, he wouldn't have shown up, but yeah. So, but no, oh, that he is... might have shown up until he found the closest meth dealer, and then he would have been gone again. Yeah, but that uh, was at that at that point he was probably not making his appearances when he was supposed to because he was too high. True, but that's the obvious reference they're going for here, right? I'm not making that. Oh, up. absolutely. I mean, he's got the whole look and everything. I'm surprised Kevin Smith did sue him for it. So, <laughs> um. Typical stoner. I mean, really, he's, but he's, and again, he's the stoner, but he's got a nerd friend. You know, he does get one of the better lines, though. That goalie was pissed, you know, so, <laughs> and, and it's right. I mean, I thought, well, you know, that's the, that's the right tone of humor for this goofy film already. Um, and we get the cop who I know I've seen this guy on some Lifetime stuff, Ron. I can't think of his name. He looks like a lost Busey. Somewhere, you know, but he like already oh, knows uh, who Jason is. Uh, Lachlan Monroe. Yeah, yes, I I know I've seen that dude. Deputy Scott Dubs. Oh yeah, he's been on a lot of things. Oh yeah, I'm a good character actor, and usually in low rent stuff like this. But <laughs> I, I like him. I was I was really hoping you guys were going to tell me that he was actually from one of the Jason movies because he knew everything about Jason Voorhees. It would have only made sense if he actually was in one. See, that's but what he I, wasn't. Huh? That's what I wanted to know too. No, he's not. But I thought that they missed a chance there to say when I was a kid at camp, I saw Jason. He could have been one of the kids from Part Six that was, you know, had the the worst camp counselor ever, right? It would have yeah, been I mean that would have been an easy reference to make, but I don't think that um, anybody who was associated with this movie bothered to watch any of the Friday the 13th flicks. They just kind of went off of, uh, they wrote Jason based on Jason's reputation. Yes, um, it's like Jason meta-knowledge, yeah. Right, yeah. And, That's and this too guy, bad. This guy definitely would have uh, been age-appropriate to be like a, uh, uh, one of the kids from, uh, yeah, one of the kids. I was just going to say that it looks like they cast every Every adult role in this film is played by someone from Canada, it seems like. <laughs> well, the whole thing was shot there, right? I mean, it was all shot in Canada, so that was that. Was that. So uh, they got it all done there. So I, I don't know. I This is where the movie really starts to just veer off into well, what are we doing land, you know? Because we've got – we run around with Will and Lori now and, and Kia and Linderman and not Jason Mewes and – 
the cops telling them what you know they're going to do to help, and Freddie you know attacks Lori, and this is where I I think they're also putting stakes in the ground. Like, no, we really don't want you to root for Freddie, so we're going to make him as creepy as hell, and he does some weird sexual overtones and then like her dad shows up and is trying to make out with her and I'm like Monica Kina looks generally distressed by the two 40 50 year old men that just tried to shove their tongue down her throat (laughs) so I I wondered if they were like don't tell her you're gonna do that just go with it and then she just was like okay this is really getting out of hand so she would later act with Tommy Lee Jones so she said the trifecta nice creepy old man Nope, man of the house. So, <laughs> but yeah, my thing with the you know, where for me where it went off the rails is when Freddie d- decided to go after Jason, uh, and he, you knew it was going to happen. <laughs> you mean but the beginning, oh, when he attacked. Him. No, it wasn't really the beginning. Uh, he was using Jason for a long time, and then uh, he finally decides that Jason's taking all the fun away, and he's going to go after him. Right, uh, this so, is pretty much right after the the cornfield scene uh, where, when where he's. Th- we're killing the, all the kids. Yeah, we're at the same point. When he becomes the weed worm that takes the hit. Oh, God, yeah. Du- that is when I was like, I don't know what movie we're in, but it's not a good one anymore. I was like, oh, yeah. Because yeah. that guy then gets the double shot of pink drugs and just shoots Jason up to knock him out, right? Like, that's the whole point. Before right. he gets chopped in half. Yeah, and that's yeah. one of the many, many questionable uh special effects sequences in this movie. Yeah. Well, you talk about something that doesn't hold up, like the soundtrack and that scene. The soundtrack and all the C- every CGI effect. Yes. The, oh, yeah. And when, when he and Jason start to fight in the dream warehouse thing and there's all that bouncing off the walls like a ping pong ball, yeah, that's, that that's Freddy Part 6, like, bad crap right the, the puns and all of it i was like oh god you know what these people don't watch any friday the 13th movies but they watched all the damn nightmare on elm street sequels so much that they can reference crap like hypnosil and that level of looney tune stupidity i did like the water portion of it right where he jason stops dead right in front of the water and that's when freddie realizes oh well you don't like water i thought that was good uh, but then just makes it rain. Well, okay. He doesn't like a lot of water, but rain, I don't think scares him, does it? I, no, I don't think rain would have bothered Like being drowned is Jason's thing. Right. Which right. that's a fear so for the, a lot of people. So the pouring water makes sense to me, but the, the making it rain in the dream world was kind of stupid. If I mean, know. I think they had to have some way for him to get the upper hand on Jason, right? Because even if it is a dream world, Physically, when Jason gets near him, all he does is hack him to bits. <laughs> so, which is what you would think would happen. You know, it's, if he ever right. got his hands on him, he would break him in half. But again, that does no good to Freddy in the dream world because Freddy just regrows his hands. Right, exactly. Which again, so. very bad CGI. So when he's when he's not hopping around like a uh, Chinese vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of it like that, but yeah. So uh, well, I mean, well, Ronnie, you uh, did kung fu movies before this. Uh, yeah, and I was actually wondering why I didn't get more kung fu. In it, like there, there could have been a lot of cut. You could have had a Lori could have been doing Tybo for all we know. You know, why couldn't we get some of that? So, uh, well, again, well the, just, that's because she's been, a human they, character, and we don't give a damn about them. Well, it would have been nice for somebody to pick up the uh, uh, Tommy Jarvis Memorial Kung Fu belt. 
that or you know we had Rick in part four. Uh, uh, oh, that's right. Brian. So we could have Rick son come back. So parts four and five, but no, we didn't do any of that. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I love though that Lori's idea is we got to take comatose Jason back to Crystal Lake so he can have home field advantage on Freddie because she does rip Freddie's skin off coming back out of that dream in the police station. So we established that she his can ear. Yeah. It's, yeah. It is his ear, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. We, we've got that. So she figures out, Oh, okay. I can drag him back through into the real world. So she does like the flatliners thing. Like I'm going to go down and then y'all like, wake me up, <laughs> which is let me lay down. Which and always works. Yeah. Let me lay down and nestle next to the six foot seven let's, zombie. <laughs> let's put a whole thing of fucking tranquilizer right in my neck. I'll go out <laughs> And you'll wake me up, right? I mean, you only had to put six or seven freaking shots in Jason to keep him down for the whole ride. I'm like, how do One they, won't kill me. How do they know when to keep giving it to Jason? They just sort of randomly go to Linderman really stick it in. They really need to do that much, too? I mean, my lord. Jason should be dead with that, that much trank in him. <laughs> well, J- Jason must be having some good dreams. <laughs> he might have had some better naked dreams, you'd think, other than that. Because, jeez. Uh, I mean, that's... Bad. I mean, two Tylenol PMs, and I'm dreaming weird things, you know. So I don't know what, <laughs> what in the world Jason's getting into. But I do like the interesting plan there, though, is that we got to get back to Crystal Lake, and I'm going, okay. But like they do that within a matter of like moments, and as we've already established, we don't know that because if they're giving them uh, doses of the, the uh, tranquilizer on and off, I'm going to assume they're not doing it every two minutes, right? I'm going to assume they're doing it every so. M- you know, hour or two as they're driving across country. It but, seems like it's right away, but, but I think they actually take some time. But the sun never comes up and goes back down. We never get any established so, bit of time changing. So for someone who's not seen Friday the 13th, where in the country is this? Crystal, Crystal Lake. Lake is in New Jersey. Rural New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, so. And Elm Street's in Ohio. California. Ohio. Ohio. So that's not, that's not that far. I mean, it's, we're talking maybe it's, it's five hundred miles. Like it's it. I oh, looked it up. Miles? It's about okay, five hundred so miles. Yeah, that's a good eight nine hours. That's a long drive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not not counting seventy five. Not counting gas because you're driving in a van like that. You're going to have to stop and get gas. Oh no shit. <laughs> and and look, the weed guy. Well, he's no longer with them, but they're all got contact highs now off of that. They're going to get munchies. You know, look, you got yeah. There's <laughs> there's problems with the whole. With all, with, with all the coffee they've been drinking, they're going to have to do bathroom stops. You know, there yeah. it, it's a whole thing. Yeah, unless maybe Jason Ritter drove the whole way because he seems loped out of his skull the the whole film too. <laughs> so maybe he's doing some coke. I don't know. You know, but he's he's got some uh, trucker's helper. Something. Yeah, he's doing something back there. So I, you know, I wrote down. We talked about. Did Freddie kill Lori's mom or something? You guys have talked about that. I think you made a good point on that, Brian. Jason wakes up and he's back in Crystal Lake, right? And they finally get Lori to wake up. And as she's almost like molested by Freddie, and I'm, I'm telling you, like, I got really moments of just uncomfortable sitting there watching that, going, like, I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to sell us on. Freddy is bad. Y'all cannot be on Freddy's side in this. But that just seems so off-putting and so weird because the Freddy that would have done that was in the early Nightmare on Elm Street films. And yeah, this Freddy has... large tongue. Yeah, this Freddy has been the part five and part six jokester Freddy that didn't do that shit. And that's that's why it just feels like such whiplash. 
Well, like you said, they're doing the greatest hits, right? I guess, but man, it's they're going from Freddie Tongue. It's like it's like classic Kiss going to no makeup Kiss back to classic. I mean, it's a whiplash, man. (laughs) Oh, Kiss. Well, I mean, it's. I think it's just a sign that that uh, they took a, a bunch of different movies or a bunch of ideas from a bunch of different scripts and like, okay, we're going to keep this part. We're going to keep this part. And no one did a final walkthrough to say, Hey, what kind of tone are we going to have for this stupid thing? Oh, I want to tell you who did the walkthrough on the last 15 minutes, probably Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan. Cause this was ripped out of straight out of the same writing oh, session. Yeah. as no holds barred. Cocaine filled. <laughs> when she brings Freddie back through, I wrote in my notes, it's time for hell in a cell with Jason and Freddie. And all I need is somebody to take that footage and just loop some Jim Ross commentary over it for me and throw it on YouTube. There you go. Like, I need that to happen. How that hasn't happened in the 13 years since this film has been out is we failed, Internet. We failed. (laughs) I would have been awesome. Now, it it is a stunt extravaganza that they go on here. At times, bordering on the complete absurd with some of the bouncing around and the it's a, yeah, it's a Looney Tunes fight. Yeah, it is. But then sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just these two guys beating the shit out of each other, and those are the parts that are remotely interesting. When it's actually you get the two actors actually doing stunt stuff together, or you know, trying to try. Well, trying to yeah. So I mean, Robert England does not throw a very good punch. No, he doesn't. So uh, he he really doesn't. But I do like the the way they go at each other. The way that he's constantly stabbing at Jason, and Jason's just like slash hack slash throw. Um, I do like the ironic uh, sentence from Freddie saying, asking Jason why he won't die. I thought that was kind of <laughs> ironic. Well, they've both been asked that several times in their own <laughs> film series. Exactly. He, he's a he's a monster like you, and you're asking him why he won't die? <laughs> Duh. Yeah, yeah, it is a little ridiculous. But he just keeps going. I mean, he's like the Energizer Bunny, this Jason is. He just keeps going. You know, they just keep beating him down. He just keeps getting back up. I really think at some point, like, Kane ripped off at least four or five years of his entire gimmick in the WWE off the way Jason keeps coming back here. Don't you think so, Brian? Uh, yeah, I think you're about right. <laughs> Kane uh, is not one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. so um, Is he anyone's? Well, <laughs> he, he, there are people who like him. <laughs> well, he's, people have to like him. He's, he's sold t-shirts and stuff. I've seen people wearing yeah. Kane masks and crap, but uh, speaking of professional wrestling, fun fact: there were multiple professional wrestlers in Japan who had these kind of themes. There was a Jason the Terrible. Uh, there was a Freddy yes, Krueger wrestler. Uh, there was a Leatherface who was actually pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> there was a guy with a Michael Myers gimmick. So, yeah, if you want to see Freddy wrestling Jason, just watch any tape from 1993 three-ish Japan. Now, I knew about the Jason the Terrible one. I did not know about the Freddy Krueger one, though. Yes, and they have both wrestled each other and been a tag team. Do y'all think it was in Kelly Rowland's contract that she gets to talk mad shit before she gets killed? 
at one of these guys because <laughs> that's what I mean. Like she goes at Freddy and like insults his manhood, and you know <laughs> she's talking all kinds of crap. But I mean, she's seen him hack several of her friends to death at this point. And her saving grace is Jason, who stabs her and throws her into a tree for all of her trouble. That's one of the weirdest moments of of the movie uh, to me is how she randomly decides to call Freddy a fag. <laughs> yeah, like when she drops that uh-huh. one, I'm like, whoa, yeah, it's early 2000s. Yeah, that. I wonder. What, I guess that's an insult back then, right? Yeah, well, that was when you could actually say film and put out there. I'm surprised that hasn't been scrubbed from the virgins that are My really. God, Ron, you are correct. This is just sick. There is a Jason the Terrible versus Freddy Krueger <laughs> Japanese wrestling match. Yeah, Holy from like shit. Wing or, or IWA Japan. Yeah. <laughs> 1992 Wing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Send me that. We will link that on the page, folks. If you just oh. want to see it with the episode here, we'll, we'll put that This is pure up. gold. So, no, it's probably more entertaining than what we've got. Because as I wrote, Destiny's Other Child finally dies. And, and then it's time, <laughs> it's time for the Which, showdown took, on the docks. Yeah. It took way too long for her to die. Yes. Kia should have died a long time ago. So and I, I mean, maybe that's because she's like the only real star in the movie <laughs> i get i mean you know ritter has had a good career mostly on television but he's had a well, decent enough career monica kino like this, had this, this moment yeah, and but... then she's best known now sadly enough for being beaten up by edward furlong you know so she's an in abuse survivor life? yes she's an abuse survivor basically oh, now which is sad and, it, and it's um, edward furlong terminator <laughs> so, yeah that poor girl. I know, crazy. like, but like that's. I mean, she, you know, her star faded quickly after. I mean, this was supposed to be her launch vehicle, and she never really got off the ground after this. So I guess Kelly Rowland is the star of the film in two thousand and three. Uh, she was. She would have been a get, I suppose. So does anybody know who she is now? That's the thing. Everyone knows Beyonce. You know any of the other two Destiny's Child people? I was just gonna say she's done a, a whole lot of soundtrack work for a lot of things. Um. So, I mean, she's keeping herself out there as far as being away from the Destiny's Child thing. She has a whole 18 credits to her uh, acting career. I'm surprised one of them wasn't a Leprechaun film, I'll be honest with you. So they're all... Most of them are TV appearances. So. I can see that. She, Other let, me, than that let me guess. She's probably done a Law and & Order and a Criminal Minds somewhere in there. Seems... No, but she's done Empire. Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a given. That makes sense, yes. Uh, and uh, TV series Girlfriends. Don't know that one, but okay. No, so. me neither. That was a UPN show. Okay. Uh, I remember that. Okay. She's also on Real Husbands of Hollywood. Well, so she's done reality TV now, too. It's an upgrade. Yeah. So well, you know, as, we, <laughs> as we were saying, nobody really launched from this to do anything. But we do get Freddie and Jason launched here. Now, th- there are a couple moments of the fight I want to pull out that I thought were kind of cool. I did like the rebar impalation. Uh, of of Jason, I kind of got an omen feel off of that. If either of you've ever seen those th- that film and its remake, but I have seen. the box set. Oh well, I nice. bring it on. I next, see it. next series, next I, series. I think that one may be coming down the line now. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, because there's a Sam Neill in there somewhere. So uh, yeah, it's, it's all for you, Damien. But before we get to that, I did like the the rebar impalation. Uh, for Jason, and I, I like the fact that Jason beats the holy crap out of Freddy and cuts his arm off and all this other. I mean, he really 
goes to town on him. And they're locked in like Mortal Kombat when the explosion happens. And I remember thinking to myself on a rewatch of this, is that how this ends? Did they do the Aliens versus Predator Requiem and blow them both up? And that's how we get well, to the end? And I had forgotten what happens. Here's my thing. You know, I, I, I thought the visual uh, side of things and the way they were looking to go at it made sense. Jason's afraid of the water. They're going to drown him. Freddy Krueger doesn't like to be burned. They're going to burn him. And then it all set up for this to happen, and they both go in the damn water. Yeah. And it's just like, well, that does no good because you've got one taken care of with Jason going in the water, but Freddy needs to burn to death. And he's not going to do that in the water. So I was kind of disappointed that they didn't go that route. And when they have him come back out of the water, it, it's a shot at first. You don't know which one it is, but it turns out to be Freddy holding Jason's machete with the one arm he's still got left. He's going <laughs> after Lori and Will, who, you know, Will's been kind of sidelined for most of this as he got hit in the, in the chops. He was impaled, it. too. Yeah, so, I mean, he's barely alive at this point. And Lori's backing up, waiting to get hacked. And then, out of nowhere, Jason stabs Freddy through with the glove. And I did like the effect of that. It doesn't look great, the first stab of it, the CGI of it. But the after effect looks pretty cool, the, the way Jason kills him with his own arm. Because you're right, Jason in the water, that should be it. But he overcomes that fear long enough to go and stab Freddy. And I like the idea of, you know, if they're not going to burn Freddy, which to me is the ultimate way to kill him, uh, using his own knives against him makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, but then Lori has to chop his head off and, and drop a bitch line on it. I mean... Well, of course. Which, well, which well, they have that. Which they steal and put in the 2010 remake, too. Well, we didn't get nearly enough people saying the word bitch in this movie. So. I, we did get we did get a sweet, dark meat comment, though. Freddy drops it like every other <laughs> line. What are you talking about? Freddy, Freddy says it Ooh, all sweet, the time. Sweet, dark meat. Well, that's what, that's, that was the whole point of me getting to you offline, Jay, before we started recording to say that this is the bitchinest movie since Bitch the Movie. <laughs> you literally don't go a page of this script without someone saying bitch at least once. I guarantee it. it, it no, That's I agree. True. It is it is the Freddy greatest hits, and it's the hit that you want to, them to stop playing. And they just insist on playing it again. You know, I saw a band in concert once that and they were on the end of their career, but they had had a lot of hits, right? They were playing this thing in Florence at the the Handy Fest, right? And they they played their big hit, which was their kind of their last hit. And they got to the end of their set, and they decided we're just going to do that one again. And I was like, no, it was bad enough the first time. So <laughs> so I left. I was like, no, I'm done. See you, Lone Star. So I, I don't need to know. You know, Ouch! I, I moved. I was going to think. I was going to guess it was Molly Hatchet, but nope, it was, was Lone Star. So, <laughs> so singing "Amazed." Yes, that was the song. Uh, man, it was like. It's and like they blew it. There. No, they they sounded fine both times. They had, they played it in the middle of the set, and they decided we're going to play it again near the end. And I was like, "Well, just I'm, in case I'm people done. didn't hear it the first time, <laughs> no one had moved." I'm like, "I'm gone. See ya." So, Fucking oh stupid. I'm, I'm done. So. But anyway, we get the showdown on the dock. Lori chops his head off. They go in the water, and then that's it. And then she and Will slink off through the campsite. And I'm like, I guess you're going to drive back to Ohio and go, well, we lost four or five people along the way, and we burned a whole damn town down. But, you know, we're, we're together good, now. Though. My dad's also – did her dad get killed in all of that melee, or did she just run away from him? 
I can't remember. I don't believe he was killed. I don't think the, any of the adults were murdered except the cop who got electrocuted. So, so how's that conversation go yeah. when you get home, right? Yeah. So, Dad, me, you <laughs> and Will... Does Will get thrown me, back into the mental? Me, you, and Will need to work through some issues. Clearly. <laughs> we need to talk about Can we wake things. up all these people in a coma that you kind of killed with the hypnosil? <laughs> yeah, that was like out of the Andromeda strain all of a sudden, too. That part that happens. I'm, I'm not sure that wasn't just weed guys hallucination but but no that's not the end because uh, we have to have jason palming the freddy head that winks at us as the final end because the original ending which if you haven't seen it is will and Lori about to get it on in bed and he turns into freddy all of a sudden and starts to slash her and then it goes to black and audiences were quote confused by that and so they decided they decided to do that other thing and i was like <laughs> well, all right. So it's it's an extra on the DVD. It's a deleted. You can watch it. It is a weird. I scene. will have to do that because I have the Blu-ray now. Thankfully, it's a weird scene, but uh, you should check it out. But wouldn't that be perfectly like in key with the ending of the first? Nightmare on Elm Street? Yes, exactly. That all of yep. this was her nightmare and it's still going on. Yeah, that would that would be it exactly. I think they went with a softer version of Freddy still being alive, even though he's just a head. Right. Yeah, I'm like, so what is, what what world are they in? Are they, is that still Crystal Lake? Because it looks kind of dreamy. You know, I mean, if we're to believe the continuity, this is the Jason that goes on to get launched into space. So oh, space. So Everyone's um, got to go to space. How come Freddy never went to space? Oh, don't go there. <laughs> he kind of don't give did. him any ideas. He kind of did with Leprechaun. <laughs> Might as well have. So, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. You know, that's what I'm going to ask. Like, does this make any sense at all? Because I think you're supposed to say who wins, and I'm like, who cares? <laughs> at the <laughs> end, they're on yeah. the same side, right? Clearly, New Line won. <laughs> they made a hundred and sixteen million dollars off the turn. Oh yes, they did. That's that's the amazing part. But I've heard a lot of you know arguments about Jason wins. No, Freddie wins because he's still alive. And I'm like, guys, nobody wins. <laughs> like it's 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 Randy Foster. Nobody wins. It's bad. So there is no winner at the end of this. It is the the double count out. If you ask me. But I'm gonna it's ask the, you too. It's the dusty finish. <laughs> which, but I'm gonna ask you though, which one? Who who wins, Brian? Who do you think wins? Neither of them. They they both walk out as kind of equals. Rod, it's my point thing? of view. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say neither guy goes over, and they both look weaker for the double count out finish. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I think we keep the wrestling metaphor going. Yeah, it is the weak finish, and we've ruined both trajectories in the uh, the feud. Thankfully, they never did it again. The people clamored for it. Let's get Freddy versus Jason too. And look, I liked this in two thousand and three, but I was like, why? What else is there left to do? Do you want to go kill some more random people in Crystal Lake or Springwood? Because I don't think there's anybody left. I mean, it looked That's, like no one was still. Uh, Crystal Lake was well stocked for a camp where they had no one there, by the way. <laughs> so if they were planning to open that camp up the next week, well, they're going to have to put that on hold. <laughs> Hope the insurance company's premium is paid up because holy cow! Um, <laughs> I, mean, I that, think that's why they. I think that's why they kept threatening to bring Ash in. Was that it to to bring in yeah. the, the uh, Evil Dead tie-in? That would have been even more awful. Even just fun as Bruce Campbell can be. I don't know. If you sandwich him into this crap, I'd, 
I can't see that being something worth watching. Well, yeah, because it's like he's gonna who's gonna he's gonna take jokes away from Freddy. He's gonna take blood spray scenes away from Jason. So it's just gonna you know it's just gonna be an unnecessary Seth Rollins run in. Guys, I think we're at the part of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for Freddy versus Jason? Ron? Uh, I'm going to go with a a medium popcorn. Uh, part of me wants to go small popcorn just because the parts where Freddy and Jason aren't fighting are so bad. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, medium uh, they delay the fight as long as they can, and they drag it out for as long as they can, um, because that's the thing that people want to see. Uh, they try to do some other fun things in the middle, like uh, the weird atmospheric um, hypnosil uh, coma patients and murdering um, a lesser destiny's child. But um, it never, it never really quite hangs together. It just, it does kind of feel like a greatest hits album, um, but like a double CD where the second album is a completely different band. So like you've got your, <laughs> your screamo, and then you've got your Night Ranger. <laughs> so yeah, medium popcorn, but like lots of kernels, and it's kind of uh, one of those half-empty bags. Okay, Brian. I uh, am going to also go with a medium here. I really enjoyed the first, you know, maybe 25, 30 minutes of the movie and the, before it went off the rails. I think there's potential here, and there's some decent stuff in there. So that's enough that I didn't completely hate the movie. Uh, it's not good by any means, but I don't think it's in the small popcorn realm. I will say this. This film is every bit as bad as any of the bad Friday the 13th sequels. And the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. It sinks to the lowest, and it never gets to the highs that either series got. Now, from Friday the 13th, that's not a high bar. That's really one film for the most part. All right? But there's some stuff you could have lived up to with that. Totally short stretched. For Nightmare of This, yeah, there's some films in that series that are that are worth revisiting and seeing. This ain't one of them, guys. It's I, Look, if you call this a greatest hits album... It's like if Chicago releases a greatest hits and it's all post Peter Cetera stuff, like everything before and Terry Kath, we're just going to ignore. We're just going to do all the other stuff. And like one song from the early years. I, I can't endorse that at all. And I'm surprised both of you gave this a medium popcorn. Cause I thought y'all were right there in the boat with me. This is small popcorn garbage. If I've ever seen it, it's so bad. Now, are there some fun things worth seeing in it? Sure, you can catch those on YouTube in like seven or eight minute clips. It is not worth an hour and 40 minutes of your time to watch it under any circumstances. So small popcorn and no. And I'm glad they didn't do it again. I hope they never try to do this again. This is a bad idea. This, this is why this kind of stuff doesn't work because – you know, Frankenstein and Dracula and all that. Maybe one day we'll do all those old Universal films to see what the appeal was and how that works. I don't think that works in modern cinema, modern sensibilities, and it certainly doesn't work with 80s and 90s slasher franchise people. These characters should have never been in the same pile together. There's a reason you spent $6 million and had 18 scripts to show for it and still didn't have a movie out of it, because there wasn't one. 
and I will hold that from now till forever. So small popcorn for me. That said, guys, I have really enjoyed this extended Shocktober 16, and I'm glad both of you went along for the ride with me. I mean, 21 films we've reviewed and put out here from August through the end of October now. Pretty uh, wild. That's a, that's, that's a lot. I just don't know what other series that we could possibly make Jay watch for Shocktober. Um, I mean, he's got the Hellraisers and the Halloweens and the Friday the 13th and the, the, the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I think we got the big um, four slashers in, that's for sure. I mean, are, are, are we going to make him do Child's Play movies next? Uh, are, <laughs> oh, God. Please am don't. I going to make him Am I gonna make him watch the three Carnosaur movies? <laughs> you never know. You never know. Well, I mean, we've, we've teased that Ginger Snaps might happen. Omen, you never know what we're going to come up with. Oh, here, so. if you want to watch a series of crap, well, let's do some Howling movies. <laughs> That uh, I've I've only ever seen the first one, and I understand its sequels are uh, something to behold. So uh, we may we may reconvene the band, but you know, 2016 ain't over yet, guys. And we're gonna do another big series because we don't have a lot of time for that. But we've got another Star Wars movie coming out toward the end of the year, so we'll circle around and do that one. But you know, holiday time we always seem to drag up some kind of Santa monstrosity. So I'm sure Brian has something on the brain. Brian, what are we gonna be doing for our horrific Christmas time treat this year. I believe we're going to do Jack Frost. Yes. And not the Michael Keaton one, right? Oh, thank God. <laughs> not the dad comes back as a harmonica playing snowman, but the, uh, evil snowman one that has a sequel. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do that one when we've done Bill Goldberg's Santa sleigh and which I've seen referenced in a lot of places now. And stuff. By like the way, that. I recommend that movie. <laughs> Have you uh, have you done Krampus? Uh, we have not done Krampus, and you know what? That might be a fun one to get into as well. We'll see what comes up on the old film strip docket, folks. You never know what'll come out, and then we're already planning some fun stuff for 2017. So, uh, of course, feel free to uh, yeah, feel free to reach out on Twitter and Facebook to give us recommendations of good, bad Christmas horror movies yeah if you got one yeah, and it, it's got to be something we can find that uh, legally so if, if you've got a good one out there throw it out there uh yeah legally wink <laughs> you know I, oddly enough i was walking by people the other day that were having a conversation about bad movies and bad effects in movies and i said have any of you ever heard of after last season <laughs> and i converted three more so uh, uh <laughs> so, oh boy <laughs> Yes. Hey, man, we get listeners wherever we can find them. So, folks, we do appreciate your support. If you like the show, do leave us a good review on iTunes. It helps other people find it. And as Ron said, hook up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, let us know what you think. And if you've got ideas, we're always open to them. We may not take requests, per se, but if you've got something you're real jonesing about, throw it out there. You know, one of the hosts gets excited about it. We'll certainly consider it. So, uh, for Brian and Ron, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121.